uh, let us begin with a call to worship. I'll read the first parts. You guys can join me in reading the emboldened parts. A new day has dawned, a new year begun. O Lord, call us so that we may hear your voice. The world turns to hopes and dreams of the future. O Lord, keep us in your ways and on your path. We enter this year with hope and excitement. worship you. Let us read uh, from Psalm 27 again together. The Lord is our light and our salvation. Whom shall we fear? The Lord is the stronghold of our lives. Of whom shall we be afraid? Though an army marches against us, I will not be afraid. Though war rises up against me, Teach us your way, O Lord. Lead us on level paths. Wait for the Lord, be strong, and let your heart take courage. We will wait upon the Lord. Amen. You guys are free to take communion during the next song. Perfect in all of your ways 
inside of you we cannot contain your love will surely come find raising my fire singing your name God of mercy sweet love of mine May this offering, may this offering stretch across the sky. These hallelujah, mortify. again. Fortress 
He's mine to live in Him will I trust. There's a name of Jesus. There's a name of Jesus. There's a He's my deliverer and will I trust There's a name of Jesus Praise There's a name of Jesus Shout it out Praise the name of Jesus. He's my rock. He's my fortress. He's my deliverer. In Him will I trust. Sing it together. praise you and we worship you this morning God your love is so amazing so miraculous you are so good help us to not forget be with us this morning as we learn from the Holy Spirit let us be open to the word pray this in Jesus name amen you guys Greet one another.
Good morning, everybody. Let's, uh, let's go ahead and take our seats this morning. Good morning. Back to, uh, back to our regular schedule. We're glad you're here. We'll uh, be anticipating the arrival of most of our college students probably in the next week or two. Uh, and then after Jan term, uh, we'll be back to um, kind of that normal-looking Sunday mornings. But we're glad you're here this morning. Uh, we don't have uh, many practical announcements, but uh, one update that we want to keep you uh, in the loop about that's pretty exciting. Uh, many of you know that one of the coolest resources that we have here at New Community is this building. Uh, there's actually quite a bit of space in this building, although it's uh, kind of funky in some ways with the purple carpet and so forth. Uh, we have for a long time felt like this is a building that could be leveraged for good in the city and that uh, it could be opened up, people could use this building in various ways and so we've worked really hard over the last couple of years to uh, invite nonprofits to come and use this space for free and uh, we've had some great success with that, with uh, hosting different events uh, in this space, Young Life uh, offices out of uh, our upstairs office area. Um, we have meetings throughout the week. So this building actually gets quite a bit of use. We don't use it all that much. We use it primarily Sunday mornings. Uh, but then the community of Spokane use it a lot, and we're not here all that much. So one of the uh, unique things about that is the only uh, time really when it's not used regularly is Sunday evenings. And uh, in the last couple of months, we had a church come and approach us, uh, a different church in Spokane, looking for a space to meet. And uh, this church is one that we have been partnering with in uh, kind of relationally in some ways. Uh, a guy that we know and trust has been a pastor of this church for a long time, has been a good friend of both Russ and I for, uh, for many years now. Justin Brines is his name, and he's been uh, the pastor of Kaleo Church. Uh, they met in Otis Orchards for a number of years and have kind of slowly over the last couple of years been moving closer to Spokane. They're looking for a space, and we entered into a conversation about that, and they are going to officially begin to meet here at New Community on Sunday evenings starting next week. Uh, and this is not a short-term thing. Currently, uh, we're kind of on a, uh, for about six months, we're going to try it out, but it looks like this is going to be a long-term relationship that we're in uh, with this church, and it's, um, it's very, very exciting. So this church will be used both Sunday morning, both, uh, and then uh, again in the evening, and uh, what this means for us in a lot of ways, it's not going to mean a ton uh, different for us on Sunday mornings, but it allows us another opportunity to really lean into our values of generosity, our values of hospitality, uh, to welcome this community in. So you'll notice some different things, uh, kids community, some things have changed back there. They're going to use all of this space, so they've got a vibrant kids ministry, they're going to be out here, we're training them on the soundboard, we're doing all the things that we need to do to make sure that they come and, and feel welcomed, and we'll share more about that and kind of the tra their transition in here uh, as it comes out. But that's something to be prayerful for. Again, the name of the church is Kaleo, uh, and they will officially begin next week. Um, you may have noticed in your bulletin that we have put in a uh, job description for a sexton, somebody that's going to come and kind of take care of the building. That's out of necessity now that we're going to have a lot more people coming and using the space on Sunday. Uh, if you are interested in that position, it's a short or a, a kind of a, a small position, about five hours a week. If you're interested in that position or you know somebody that is, please come and get a hold of me, talk to Russ or Allison or uh, Julie, anybody on staff. Let us know that uh, if there's a name out there that we might want to track down, we'd love to begin to uh, make some movement on hiring that position soon. So uh, that's our update, and then uh, I'm going to bring up a good friend of mine who actually works for Young Life. Uh, is Hans 
Where is Hans right now? Right? Oh, perfect. Uh, would you guys welcome up Hans? Hans is uh, Area Director for Young Life here in Spokane, and he's going to give us uh, an update about um, some prayer requests that they have moving into the new year. Uh, not really a fun update, um, but uh, our staff was leaving tomorrow. One already left last night for a conference in Florida, and it's the 75th anniversary of Young Life, and it's been a really special week of celebration and awesome speakers and worship and music, and uh, we were, we're bringing some really critical people um, on our committee and staff. T- they just need a week, and uh, that trip's kind of been derailed a little bit um, over this last week. I don't know if any of you read about uh, that uh, guy in Odessa um, being found dead, but that was uh, my brother's father-in-law's brother, um, Scott, and uh, he was 59 and was out hunting, um, died of hypothermia in the woods, and uh, it's uh, John Heimbigner, who's like the most key component of my committee and, and like my second dad and it's his second youngest brother that he's lost and uh, he has just he's retired and has poured his heart and soul into Young Life on these last few years and fundraises and a pretty insane amount of money for us every year and he really needed this week with his wife just to get a vision of Young Life and um, continue the great work he's doing and now they're not going to be able to come because um, they're handling funeral stuff and everything and the same day we found that out um, our administrator Aspen who lives in the little hobbit hole up there, uh, and works uh, for us as a team leader at Shadle Park. Uh, that same day, uh, she broke her back sledding, um, and she was like half an inch away from being like, paralyzed. And uh, she already has pretty insane uh, heart problems for being a 23-year-old, and uh, it's just she's, this girl just can't buy a break. And so she's going to miss the next two weeks, and was going to miss her new staff training that she really needs to keep going with staff and some encouragement. She's had a really long year with her health stuff and is waiting on a heart transplant, which is insane. And she doesn't like to tell anybody that, so you can pray for her, but don't talk to her about it because she's really sensitive about it. Um, And so, yeah, it's just brutal. And uh, it's a weird feeling heading into this trip tomorrow because I don't really need this trip, um, but they needed this trip. So really appreciate prayers for uh, the Heimbinger family um, and for Aspen as she begins her rehab and figuring out her, her back and um, what this new normal is going to be for her. So really appreciate prayers for that. We're going to take a minute and just pray now. If you uh, want to, just kind of reach out your hand, and we'll pray over uh, Hans and the, the staff that is going, and then um, over those two specific prayer requests as well. Lord, we are um, we are incredibly thankful for the ministry that Young Life does uh, in this city, in our community the way that they not only uh, reach high school and middle school students, but uh, the way that they actually care for them and uh, show them Christ in their actions and uh, in, in just who they are as leaders and people. God, we pray uh, specifically right now for the Heimbringer family that uh, you would be a God of comfort in their life. Uh, Lord, that in the midst of uh, having to deal with... Um, funeral uh, plans and preparations and uh, being with family that uh, that you would show up in mighty ways and that you would make yourself known uh, that uh, that you could bring peace to a family that is grieving and mourning right now Lord and we pray uh, specifically for John as he uh, is not able to attend this conference that um, somehow in the following weeks you would give him uh, that vision that uh, that we were prayerful that he would receive at the conference. Uh, work work in that way. 
Lord, for Aspen, we pray for uh, recovery. Uh, it sounds like full recovery uh, is possible, but uh, we pray for even more than that, that uh, she could be back to um, the lifestyle that she had grown accustomed to, and that, um, God, that uh, you would give doctors and uh, PTs and, and everybody that's going to be involved in this um, wisdom and uh, discernment as they figure out uh, a plan to get her back on her feet and moving again. God, we pray that there would be a community that comes around her and supports her as, um, as she tries to figure out uh, additional health issues as well. God, be, uh, be with Young Life, be with, um, with KJ and with Hans, with uh, the additional staff, with uh, the committee, with leaders. Uh, we just pray uh, that this year would bring, um, this year would be a year of movement and growth and health uh, vibrance in ministry. God, we pray that uh, kids would come to know you uh, because of the message that they bring. Lord, continue to unify uh, their staff and their committee and, uh, and their volunteers. Lord, we thank you for them. We thank you for who they are, uh, not only in this community, but who they are uh, in a new community as well. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. One other uh, little update coming from Kelsey right now. Give her a hand as she comes up. This is uh, Kelsey's last Sunday with us, and she's going to give you a little update about where she's headed off to. Yeah. Um, Hi, I'm Kelsey. Um, I recognize a lot of you guys out there, but for those who don't know me, I'm Kelsey. Um, Grew up in Spokane. I've been going to NewCom for the last about three years. Ewu grad from Eastern. Um, yeah, and I'm just excited to share with you something I'll be doing over this next year. Um, yeah, this new 2016. So, um, just in my time at Eastern, I got involved with Campus Crusade for Christ on campus and, um, now called Crew. But, yeah, I grew up in a Christian home, but I don't think I really knew what the gospel was. And so, just over those four years, I I learned what the gospel means and what that means for my life. Um, learned how to share my faith with other students and um, people in my life. And um, I think also the Lord just instilled in me like a heart to reach the world. Um, So yeah, people of all nations. And Crew just has a global vision that every student on every campus and every nation would have a chance to hear the gospel. Um, So on Wednesday, I am leaving for Sydney, Australia to join staff um, with a team um, of Crew people um, on the University of Sydney's campus. So it's in a couple days, um, but basically as a staff member, I'll be engaged um, in leading uh, small groups, discipleship of students within the movement, um, reaching out to students who aren't involved, um, evangelism, and then just leading conferences, retreats, all that stuff. So pretty exciting. Um, There's a team of the three of us from the Northwest going. I'm one of three, and we're joining a staff at about eight people, so eight Australian crew leaders. And so... Um, And even just to give you an idea of what I'll be stepping into on my campus, um, the University of Sydney is one of the most prestigious places to study in Australia. Um, And it's just, I mean, the idea is that Australia, just where it's situated in the world, is between the Middle East and Asia. And so um, a lot of the students that come to study are from other places and other cultures, other nations. And so stepping into a pretty diverse makeup of students. Um, So not only Aussies, but also students that are coming from places that 
there's no access to the gospel and there's no freedom to explore their faith. And so um, just to think that there's students coming and they might have a chance to hear the gospel and get to know Jesus for the first time is pretty exciting. And so that's what I'll be a part of um, in Sydney. So um, there's a huge diversity and, there's, and the, the harvest is ripe there. And so um, just with all that to be said, I, I would love and really appreciate your guys' prayers. Um, I've loved being a part of this community over the last few years and growing into my faith here. Um, but specifically, I'd love prayer. Um, just that my team and I would grow deeper in love with the Lord um, and also that the students would, would come to know the Lord, the students that we meet and interact with. We would get to know them and build relationships and, and have chances um, to share the gospel with them and have those opportunities. Um, and then really specifically, I am still waiting on my visa, so <laughs> it's going to be last minute. I think the Lord is, is pretty good at those last minute things, yeah. but yeah, just pray that it would come in in the next couple of days and I'd be able to be on my way. So yeah, I appreciate you guys and that you'd pray for us. Yeah, let's pray right now. <clears throat> God, we are excited about what you have been preparing and calling Kelsey to for a while. You've uh, placed these desires on our heart to not only be able to uh, locally uh, disciple people and share the gospel and impact lives, but now uh, you've given her a vision and uh, a direction for you calling her to another place to do that same thing. And so God, as she goes, we pray first that you would allow the visa to come in and uh, that she would have all the things in order that need to be uh, done before she heads off. But then as she arrives, God, we just ask for great unity on her team. Uh, we, we read in your word that uh, even your prayer for us is that, uh, that people around will know that we are your disciples for our love for one another and by our unity, and that, that as we are one, it reflects who you are uh, as the Trinity. And so, God, I, I just ask that there would be this uh, unique team dynamic that enables them to be very effective in the lives of people. We ask that you would provide them with opportunities not just to, to share the gospel, but even more to share also their lives with people. Uh, to be so invested uh, that the very uh, lives they live, uh, their comings, their goings, their rising, uh, that, that very much like we're called to disciple children, that they would be called to walk alongside of other people and uh, invest in them deeply. God, we pray, uh, just as we pray for this city of Spokane, that your light would become known to those who are still in the darkness. We pray that your power would go forth and that you would be, uh, be made known uh, among all the nations and that, that people there studying at the University of Sydney would come to know you and then would uh, move back home or move to some other corner of the world and uh, be another light for you in those places. So bless Kelsey, encourage her, strengthen her, uh, and as we get updates, may we rejoice with her about how you're using her. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Any uh, time we... Pr oh, yes, one more thing really quick. I was eager to jump in, but let me say one thing really quick. Uh, I think I turned it off, by the way. Uh, anytime we um, send somebody off, uh, or anytime we pray over uh, someone like Hans who's about to go to a conference or whatever, uh, I think there should be in us not just this desire to say, we're with you in that, we're praying for you in that, we come alongside of you in that, 
but also to ask the question, God, where are you moving in me like that? That doesn't mean you're going to get on the next plane to Australia. It might mean that it's just at work, at school, um, in, ta- in town, at some area you love, whatever. Uh, we should always be kind of in that position to say, God, choose me. Where am I headed? What do you want me to do? Um, so keep, keep that desire as you pray for them, as I think it's a, important for our formation in Christ. We're going to do a uh, reading for the beginning of the new year, so if you would stand, and um, Bella's going to lead us in this reading. Hi, everyone. Is this on? Yeah. Cool. Um, if you guys would read the parts that are in bold. Loving God, maker of heaven and earth, we join together this morning to praise you. You are eternal with no beginning or end. You made us and your will goes forth in our world and our lives. We praise you in this new year. We praise you that whatever the future holds, we know that it is held in your hands. We look back at this past year. We see that you have been with us, provided for us, and led us in your ways. We praise you for Jesus Christ. We have celebrated at Christmas that you became one of us. You pitched your tent in our neighborhood. Paying the price for all we have done wrong and in being raised to life again have given us fresh beginnings and new life in you. We look forward this new year, unable to see beyond the next bend or over the horizon, yet we prepared to follow you and our times are in your hands. We confess our sins to you. We have done what we should not do and left undone what we should do. We have either thought too highly of ourselves and not cared enough for others. We have thought too little of ourselves and allowed ourselves to be written off as worthless. As we have confessed our sins, thank you that you send your spirit upon us and lead us into all truth and to empower us to live and witness to you. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Good. So everyone enjoying the winter weather so far? Yes, some of you are loving it, others of us less so. Um, this morning, I was loving the winter weather. I went sledding and doing a lot of things until this morning I was frustrated by the winter weather. I got in my car and... Uh, it started, which was good, um, but I had to scrape the outside of the car, which is kind of normal, but it was so cold this morning, I had to scrape the inside of the window to see out. And then not only that, 
It was so cold that, uh, here's a little, little survey real quick. How many of you use the club on your car, like to keep it from getting stolen? Yeah, like three of us, great. Um, listen, it works. I've had my car right in front of my house stolen twice. Now that I have the club, never, never stolen. It's awesome. But this morning, I uh, tried to get my club out. It was frozen solid, like it couldn't get it off. Finally, it was like 10 minutes later after the car completely warmed up that it, that it uh, unlatched. So the, the club does work, for those of you wondering. I couldn't even get it off, and I had the key, all right? So it, it is good. You should get one if you're worried at all about your car. Um, as we get started this morning, I wanted to remind many of us, some of you are pretty well aware of this, but today is Epiphany Sunday. Um, Epiphany is actually on January 6th, but because this is the Sunday closest to it, it is the Sunday in which we celebrate Epiphany. And Epiphany, uh, for those of you that are not aware, it marks the end of the 12 days of Christmas, right? So just give you a little quick uh, church calendar refresher, all right? The uh, Advent, we just went through the Advent season. Advent is all about the coming or the arrival of Jesus, right? And it is the official start of the Christian calendar. So we don't start it in January. We start it back in uh, the 40 days leading up to uh, Christmas Day. And uh, those four weeks leading up to Christmas prepare us for the incarnation. They prepare us for the coming of Jesus. They prepare us for Christmas Day, and for the glory and the beauty that that day holds, right? And so a lot of us, when we think about Advent, we think about it all the way up until Christmas. Yes, Christmas came, it was great, it was beautiful, and, uh, and then we kind of like forget about it, right? But uh, Christmas Day, obviously, we know is celebrated on the 25th of December. Then, 12 days, you've heard the 12 days of Christmas, right? The first day my true love gave to me, right? Okay. 12 days of Christmas ends on January 6th. So it's not like you start thinking of the 12 days and then Christmas. You start with Christmas. The arrival came. And then for 12 days, we celebrate this idea that Jesus has come. Right? And then the Epiphany, which is today, which is what we celebrate, is all about uh, the manifestation of God. Right? So Epiphany is Greek for manifestation. And really it has everything to do with the fact that Jesus is revealing himself, showing himself, continuing to make himself known to us. And so as we celebrate uh, this season, this Christmas time that we're in, uh, we're actually wrapping up our time. And uh, Epiphany, one of the beautiful things about it is it marks the beginning of us thinking through um, who Jesus was all the way until Lent, okay? So Epiphany is this season that we're entering into. And uh, it actually coincides really well with where we're headed uh, in this new year because it lines up directly with our desire to continue to lean into who is Jesus? What did he live like? How, how, how is he a person among us? What are the ways in which he operates? And, um, and it's a chance in, in really unique ways, I think, for us to focus on not only his sacrifice, but on his missional work, the way he lived, the way he operated among us. And uh, so that's one of our goals this year, as you know, is to reflect on who Jesus is, to begin to acknowledge who he is, to know who he is, 
And, um, and it starts off really well with the New Year because, as many of you know, New Year's, there's a tendency for us to think about resolutions. How many of you, just by way of hand, tend to make New Year's resolutions? Okay, about double the number of people that have clubs on their car, okay? So six, six of you or so make New Year's resolutions. Now, what's interesting about uh, New Year's resolutions, whether you like to make them or not, I know some people are just like, man, I've got to make New Year's resolutions. It's really good for me. I like setting goals. Others of you are like, the only goal that I want to set is that I'm not going to set any goals, right? Uh, so all of us have different ways of feeling about New Year's resolutions, but I will say this. The new year does, I think, in a unique way, give us an opportunity to like reassess, right? To reevaluate, where, how, how have I lived my life over the last year? Um, am I living the way that I intend to live? Do I, do I feel good about where I'm at? And maybe that's, do I feel good about where I'm at with my finances? Do I feel good about where I'm at with my relationships? Do I feel good about where I am with my health? I, I don't know in which ways you evaluate it, but... I do think the new year tends to give us a chance to, to, to at least pause and think and reflect and evaluate on, am I living the way I desired to live? And so as I started thinking about New Year's resolutions, uh, some years I make a huge list, other years I do different things, and, and, it, and it feels different each year. But one of the things that I noticed as I sat down this year and started thinking about it a little bit is that I tend to make very accomplishment-oriented types of goals. I don't know if you resonate with that, right? So I want to read this many books, or I want to run this race, or I want to start this organization, or I want to begin this new program, or I want to do this new thing, right? And it's all like things that we're trying to accomplish. And so there's a tendency to create these lists that are like, I'm going to check this off, I'm going to, do, I'm going to like reach this new landmark, I'm going to climb this new summit, I'm going to do something big, Right? And I, it seems like, at least for me, that most of my resolutions have less to do with uh, like kind of adopting a way of being, right, or a posture in life. And so it started uh, getting me thinking about what, is it, what does it mean or what would it look like to have a goal be a way of being rather than a to-do list, a posture to live with rather than a thing to check off, right? So I've been thinking about this over the last week. And uh, part of what made me think about it is I did um, another wedding this last week on Wednesday. And um, a beautiful ceremony for Graham and Sena, for those of you who know them. Uh, it was a phenomenal time. But while I was uh, talking about Graham for a moment in the ceremony, one of the things that I highlighted about him is that he has a unique ability to stop and smell the roses. Like he's just great at savoring small moments. Like when I'm ready to move on to the next thing and he and I are together, like he's still going, wow, that is really cool. And just like soaking it in and I am like past it, right? And I admire that about him. I admire the fact that he can like revel in the little moments, that he can enjoy uh, the mundane, that he can experience something in ways that maybe I uh, don't quite experience it like, right? And so I started thinking about what is a goal that, that looks like, what, what, what would a goal be if it looked like that, right? Like, for example, instead of trying to experience new moments, what would it be like to actually capture the moments you already experience? Or instead of setting goals around things you want to accomplish, set them around things you want to embody, 
a way of being that you want to live, right? Goals that allow us to lean into generosity or hospitality or as ways of being and not just of things to accomplish. So here's what I want us to do. I want us just for a moment, because I think it'll get us into where we're headed this morning, is I want you to pause and think about this question and maybe just discuss it with the person next to you. Here's the question. If you, could, if you personally could embody something that you've desired for some time, what would that look like this year? So if you can embody something if you, as a way of being, like that you, meaning you just were more a person of hospitality or more a person of generosity or you, you loved life more or you tended to enjoy the little things. Or, I mean, there's hundreds of other ideas or illustrations, right? So if you had to answer this question, how would you answer it? I want you to think on it for a moment and then just turn to a neighbor or two. I'll give you about a minute or two to talk. And, uh, and just share with them. Here's something that I have kind of wanted for a while that would be fun to embody in this new year. All right? Go for it. All right, <clears throat> hopefully you had a chance to uh, ruminate on it a little bit, maybe uh, share that with someone next to you. Um, let's toss out maybe one or two. Does anybody want to be brave enough to say this is uh, one thing that I would be interested in maybe embodying more fully in this next year? Any takers? Peace. Peace. Okay, not being anxious, not being worried, being 
peaceful in the new year. Good. Joyful. Awesome. Awesome. What else? Any others? Servant. It's great. Patient. Good. I'm sure there's a bunch more. Maybe some of you are saying, man, my goal would be to be more adventurous this new year or to be more positive or to be more, um, you name it. <clears throat> but it got me thinking if, if we could name any one goal collectively for new community, if there's one thing that we could embody as a community, what would we want to embody? And I've been thinking about that a lot over the last uh, few weeks. What would it really mean for us as a group of leaders, as a community collectively, to say, man, in 2016, if we could embody this, if we could live this out fully. And my mind just kept coming back to a passage in the book of Ephesians. If you have your Bible, turn to Ephesians chapter 5. And uh, Ephesians 5, verses 1 and 2, I think captures a little bit of what I would imagine uh, would be awesome for us to be uh, known as, as a community. And it says this in Ephesians 5, verses 1 and 2, Therefore, speaking to his readers, to us, Therefore, us, be imitators of God, as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. To be imitators of God. That if we can embody anything, that we would look like, act like, live like Jesus. Now this idea of imitating God is not new to this particular passage or to the New Testament in general. From the very beginning, from the foundation really of all of Scripture, there's been this idea of imitating God, right? Of looking like Him. From the very beginning. What I mean by that is, since the very beginning when humans were created in the image of God, it came with that. Us being made in His image came with that, the idea that we would imitate Him. That we would look like Him, right? So to be human is to imitate God in all areas of who He is. His faithfulness, His forgiveness, His generosity, His righteousness. Paul even says in the Scriptures at one point, imitate me as I, what? Imitate Christ. He's saying, I'm trying to follow His example to the best, so you follow me as I follow Him. That, that we're collectively following what it looks like to be like Jesus. We hear this in other passages too in First John Uh, It says this, whoever says he abides in him, in Christ, ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. To walk as Jesus walked. And it struck me that there's probably no better goal to be imagined for this new year, for us as a community, than to be the kind of people that embody what it means to live like Jesus. To live lives that so reflect who he is that it's as if He's put on flesh again and is walking around in Spokane, right? That if we could live that way, to be imitators of God. Now, imitating, most of us know what that means. We, we get the idea. I want to give you a quick definition. It means aligning our character, our belief, our mindset, or our action with a template so that the copy reflects the original. To take this template... 
to line it up against who Jesus is and then to have us reflect in our movement, in our character, in our mindset, in our action, who Jesus is. That's kind of the exact idea of this idea of imitation, right? Now, the the Greek word there used really is from a root word where we get the words mimic or mime, right? Mimic or mime. So the idea would be simply that Paul uses this language to help us to understand that imitate in the New Testament means to mimic every word, every action of who God is inside and out. It's like what my daughter does to annoy her brother when he will say a word and then she copies the exact same phrase and then he'll say something else and then she'll say something and like keep saying it again and again and again and until he's just like, stop it! And then she's like, stop it! And then, right? And it's, it, it's this, so like just a carbon copy. That's the idea, right? To have us so mimic. And anytime we imitate something, have you ever noticed that we always imitate the best qualities? We always imitate the things we aspire to be in the person, right? And we never imagine that we are someone not worth following, We never imagine that we uh, are the one that comes down to the last second of the game and misses the shot. We're always the one that comes down to the last second of the game and makes it, the hero, the one that finishes on top, right? We're We're the person that climbs to the summit, or we're the person that helps out another. We tend not to imagine ourselves as the bench warmer, sitting on the sideline, never getting in the game. You know, get grabbing water for other teammates. We don't imagine ourselves to be the person that failed to reach the summit or overlooked helping someone or uh, ruined some work of art. Or we, we don't think of ourselves as the bank robber or any of that, right? We think of ourselves as someone that we would admire or we always want to imitate the best. And I think that's true when it comes to Jesus, too. There's this tendency in all of us to desire that if we are going to mimic or imitate or, or, or mime and look like who Jesus is, that we desire to do the very things that he lived out and aspired to himself. So that means we desire a reconciliation. This year, we're going to talk about what does it mean to be a people reconciled and what does it mean to be people who are in the process of restoring for Christ, uh, to practice proximity. Jesus was very close with people. We're going to talk about this year, what does it mean to be close with other people? What does it mean to be so close that you actually get your hands dirty because you're in the same mess with them, right? To, to, not, uh, to be, not put on gloves and be sterilized and away from the situation, but actually to be a part of it like Christ did. Um, to pursue a deep, deep relationship with God. I mean, you realize that when Christ walked on the earth, he was intimately connected with God, that he knew him, that he spoke with him, that he related with him on a regular basis. We, I think, are supposed to desire to be the same kinds of people that want a deep, deep relationship with God. Uh, To understand prayer and discernment and stillness and Sabbath, that those would become rhythms of who we are because they were rhythms of who Jesus was. Uh, To mirror Jesus in his ministry, the way he moved among people, his mission, his posture, his activity, all of that, 
that led to him fulfilling what God desired of him are things that I think we likewise are called to mimic. So my hope this morning is just kind of set us up. We're going to be looking again and continuing to look at who is Jesus and, and what are the ways that we can imitate the incarnation? What are the ways that we can imitate who Jesus was while he walked on this earth? Now, let me start off with this, though, as we kind of look at this idea. Let me say this. When you hear the words, imitate God, when you hear the idea of imitating the incarnation, because we're going to talk about this for probably until this summer, right? This idea of really pursuing what it means to look like Jesus. Um, when you think of that, I'm going to imagine that there's a tendency for some of you when you hear imitate God to instantly think of 20 more New Year's resolutions that you're going to attempt and fail at at some point, and probably in quick succession, right? Because that's how we feel about it, right? We can easily fall back into this idea that, man, I, I, I just have to do more, I have to be better, have more effort, strive harder, accomplish more, and if I do those things, then somehow God will be pleased with my action that I somehow can work my way into his approval, that somehow I can, I can prove to him that I can look like him, right? And that's, please don't hear me say any of that this morning, and don't hear me say any of that as we move forward into this series, right? That, that is not what we're saying. In fact, we would be saying more the words of 2 Corinthians 5.21, which remind us of this. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. What you should hear us saying is that we have the opportunity to go from people who are trying to imitate God to being children of God and co-heirs with Christ. We get to go from being people who have the effort and energy and um, striving to being and still coming up short, and still being worthless, and still not fulfilling all that God intended, but we actually get to be people who lean into forgiveness, and justification, and righteousness, that we we get all of those things as a part of being in relationship with God. So I want us to be reminded of that truth before we go any further into this idea of uh, imitating who God is, because what we are not saying is, do more, strive, be better, live holy, like we're not saying that. Okay? And we'll explain more here in a second. I want, I want to read this quote to you because I think it captures a little bit of what we're saying. Don't pray that God would teach you how to love like He loves. Pray that He would fill you with Himself and that He would love in and through you. Don't pray that He would teach you to have joy. Pray that the living God full of joy would enter into you. Don't pray that he would teach you how to be peaceful. Ask for the God of peace, the Prince of Peace, to infill you. Because if you try to imitate in your own strength, you will be a miserable replica. But if you allow the impartation of Jesus Christ to overtake you, suddenly it all works because it is him imitating himself, and he is very good at being God. Right? Listen, don't try to do it in our own strength. Right? Don't. Because it will be a worthless replica. Instead, allow Him to be Him through you. 
because he's really good at being himself, right? That's what I want us to capture as we, we lean into this. And what I want us to do is look at this phrase one more time. And I want to highlight three things that we can kind of think about uh, to start this year as we consider this idea of imitating God. So the phrase, again, from the scriptures is this, Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love. I want to kind of rewind through this passage backwards and give you three ideas. The first is this, walking is a process. Walking is a process, just like imitation is a process. So there's a huge emphasis in the book of Ephesians. If you read through it before, you'll know that walk or walking is a really big theme, a really big idea to Paul in this particular passage, right? Or this book. So we see things like this. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. That God has established things for you to do for his good and for his glory, and he desires for you to walk into them, Right? To lean into those. That he says uh, later in Ephesians 4.1. I, Paul, am a prisoner for the Lord. And I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. To walk worthy. To, to live a life that reflects that you have been called a child of God. To walk in that way. Right. Then later he says things like walk in love. The verse we're looking at right now. Verse 8 of chapter 5, walk as children of light. Verse 15, be very careful then how you walk, not as wise, but unwise. There's other passages in Ephesians that highlight, this is just a few of them, that highlight this idea of walking. And all of the walking, all of it points to Ephesians chapter 1. Chapter 5 verse 1. It all points to this idea of imitating God, right? So if God is to be holy, which it talks about in chapter 4, then we are also to be holy. We're to desire and pursue holiness as a community. Right? If, if God is to be humble, then we are to practice humility. If God is to be trinity, then we are to be one, right? We are to be unified as a body. If God is set apart from the world, then we likewise are to look different in the things we value and in the way we live. That, this is what the pattern that is being talked about again and again in Ephesians, right? And here's why I love this particular verse, and I love this idea in it, because walking develops over time, right? This is an important idea. It's not an instant action. It's a process, right? When you start to walk as a child, it's not... I mean, maybe you are an exceptional child. I, I'm sure everyone thinks their children are exceptional, right? And so maybe your parents set you down for the first time and they give you a little pat on the butt and said, go for it, walk, and you just took off walking. And it wasn't long before you started running, and uh, who knows? Maybe you're one of the few, maybe the only one. But it seems like most of the time you sit your kid down, you lift them up, you kind of steady their legs, and then they're up for about a second, they wobble, and then they're back on their butt. And then you pick them up again, you pick them up again, and then finally, like, you're like this far away from them, and then they, they fall forward, and their leg moves a little bit, and you're like, they walked! And you're like, well, not really. They kind of just fell forward, right? But they're getting there, because it's a process. It, it's slow happening, and then maybe you take a step and then you fall down. And then you take a couple more steps. And then, and then finally like you're starting to figure 
out what it means and what it looks like to walk. And I think it's the same when it comes to imitating Christ. That there's a process, that it takes time, that our, our discipleship, our development, our formation in Christ is a process. I, one of the things that I think has frustrated me in ministry for a long time is that instead of viewing discipleship as process-oriented, there is a tendency in our culture to view it as product-oriented or event-oriented. What I mean by that is um, product-oriented. We have a very big culture of wanting a product that does something for you. Have you noticed? You want to lose weight. Great. That would say eat less or eat differently and maybe exercise. Right? But we go, no. Take this pill. You do this thing. You buy this product and it will solve everything. I remember being on a plane one time. You've probably been on the plane and flipped through and you see like the, all those products. And then there was this machine that has like all these like crazy contraptions. And it's like you sit in it, but there's wires going everywhere. And it's like, work out for four minutes and that's all you need. And I'm like, oh, man, amazing. You, have you guys seen that? It's incredible. Then I looked up how much it cost. There's no way. It's like $100,000 or something. It was like incredible. I was like, I'm not going to get that, right? So I guess I'll take five minutes and work out. No, the, the idea is you, you have to like put effort into it, right? But we tend to go, no, 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 no. If you buy this book, if you take this course, you'll be like Jesus on the other end of it. Twelve, 12 weeks. Take this, you're, it's going to be awesome, right? We tend to be very much like that in our culture. Or, or we're event-oriented, Right? In youth ministry, you see this the most. If we just have this event, if we just run this camp, if we just uh, have this one activity, and then at that activity we share the gospel, like, if we can just do these events, then the kids will be saved, lives will be changed, and everyone that graduates from our youth group will look like a full, amazing Christian and have no problems the rest of their life. Right? That's what we get in our mind for some reason. We are so product-oriented or event-oriented, right? We, we do it even now as adults, but we just do it with bigger things like marriage. We go, if you go to this one-day conference, solved. Marriage, it's good, it's perfect, right? Versus recognizing that like marriage is effort. It's time, it's investment, it's beautiful and amazing and the most incredible thing. And it can, be, it can be awesome to be married to your best friend, but you have to work to have the person be your best friend. And so we don't just say, ah, it's not worth it. No, these things are all worth it. But they're things that we have to pursue. And they're like walking. It's a process, right? Discipleship takes time. It takes investment. It's slow going. It's intentional steps. It's hundreds of tiny intentional steps to move you to the next place. Whether it's in your marriage, in your life, in your faith, in your prayer, in your walk. And all of it ultimately leads to this place where you look more like Jesus. You imitate Him. Second idea. So the text says, Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love. We talked about walking in love 
now the idea of beloved children. I think imitating comes naturally, right? Imitating comes naturally. And here's what I mean by that. All of us have within us a propensity to copy, to imitate, to, to follow, to look like, or to act like someone else. I, I came across the quote a while back that said this, Children have never been good at listening to their elders, but they have never failed to imitate them. Right? Always. Children imitate their parents, their elders, their authority. They begin to act like them, talk like them. This is why we admire some leaders, because we know the way they live will inspire others to imitate their lifestyle. It's why we're frustrated with other leaders, right? Because when we look at them, we go, oh man. Like if that coach is screaming at all of those kids, odds are those kids will recognize that as a great way to live as a coach. And then they will in turn yell at all of their kids that they coach someday, right? Because we tend to copy. And we do this most often with family, right? I copied my dad all the time. Now, I did that both intentionally and unintentionally, okay? I think all of us copy intentionally and unintentionally. Intentionally, I copied him as a little child. I would would have no need to shave for a very long time, and yet I would stand next to my dad who was shaving and was like, yeah, let me try some of that shaving cream. Let me like, like work on the razor technique. Let me do whatever I needed. Like I'm trying to copy, right? Or he'd be getting ready. He'd be getting things on or whatever, and I would go over and I would grab his tie and I would put it on and try to tie it. And then I would stick my feet into his shoes and like stumble around in his shoes, right? And I would pretend like I'm going off to work. Why? Because we like to imitate or to copy. I did that with my father, but I also copied my dad in other ways because people would often say, that uh, I was like a mini version of my dad, right? And maybe you've been told that before. We walked the same, talked the same, we had similar mannerisms, right? And uh, the reason I say this isn't unintentional is because never once did I wake up in middle school and think to myself, how cool would it be to look like a middle-aged man and walk around? Like, never, right? Nobody, nobody like intentionally does that. But here's what happened. When I spent time with him, it became natural for me to look and act like him. We shared the same experiences. We spent time together. We laughed at the same things. We cried at the same things. We uh, took risks on some of the same things. We did things together in such a way that it became obvious that I was his son. That I looked like my father. Not because I tried to copy his gait, his walk, but just because it was, right? It also was that way because I share his DNA, right? That there are parts of who my dad is biologically that are a part of who I am biologically, and so it just makes sense that I would look like my father. Now, these truths, I think, are equally present in this idea of. In- um, looking like God, like Christ, right? So I think we copy our Heavenly Father in ways that are intentional and unintentional as well. Intentionally, there are days that you say to yourself, probably, 
This thing I'm about to do, I am doing because I know it's the very thing Christ would do in this situation. I know I say that. I know there's times where I'm like, there's no way I would be nice to this person right now if it wasn't for the fact that I know that Jesus would be nice to this person and Jesus requires me to be nice to this person, right? And then we do it. Why? Because I want to intentionally look like Jesus. I want to intentionally forgive and intentionally love and, and be the kind of person that, that, that looks more like him all of the time, right? And so we purposely do it. We make decisions to do it. We allow his words to be embedded in our mind. We, we allow common experiences with Christ to shape the way we live. But I think it also comes naturally because we have his DNA, right? That if you have become a follower of Jesus, that you, with it, have the Spirit of God residing within. That we get to live into who He has created us to be. So, imitating is a walk, and that walk, I think, comes naturally. Third and final point is this. The passage says, Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love. The command in the passage is, be imitators, right? Right? It's something we're told to do, something we're told to accomplish. And I would argue this, that if God commands it, then I believe that he believes we can accomplish it, right? He's not going to command something that there's no ability for us to do. He's not going to tell us, you must do this thing and then not empower or enable or encourage or strengthen us to actually do it. That would be a crazy crazy God, right? But this is a God that says, follow me. This is a God that when you look throughout the New Testament, you see example after example of Jesus inviting his disciples to copy him, of Jesus inviting them to walk on water, and then they do, of Jesus saying, perform this miracle, and they do, of Jesus saying, break bread like this, act like this, do this, right? Even the very challenge to follow me is the belief that Jesus thinks that we can look like him. We can be like our rabbi. That we can look a little bit more like him all of the time. And so my encouragement to us is if there was a goal for us in this new year, one that we could embody as a way of being, not just something to accomplish, to imitate God would be a pretty worthy goal. My challenge to you is to, to walk into that. It's a process to allow him to do it through us and for us to see this year that we look a whole lot like our Father. Let's pray, and uh, we will leave after this benediction. God, may we, new community, listen for your voice and follow wherever it leads. God, may we be the kind of people that allow no room in our life for deceit, but instead offer ourselves as vessels, as a temple for your Holy Spirit. God, I pray that you would speak to us this new year, that you would speak through us. We ask that you, God, would raise us to new life and that your Spirit would be present in our lives in such ways that we embody and live and look like you and your holiness. 
We pray that as we go this morning, that your peace and your love would go with us, and that we would in turn give peace and love to those around us. God, may your will be done this year, and may we be the doers of it as we embody and imitate you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You are dismissed.